ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You know how much we love to share our favorite books with you here on the podcast. We all love to cozy up with a book and a cup of tea, but the truth is, we're always on the go. That is the absolute truth. And audiobooks have been a really incredible way to keep up with our reading while doing lots of other things in our lives. So driving the kids to school, hiking, taking trips to the dog park, or most importantly, folding laundry. I do not like to waste my time. So listening to an audiobook while I fold laundry makes me feel like I'm doing something important. Sandy, what are you listening to these days? Right now, I am absolutely loving Americana, which is a novel by Chimananda Ngozi Adichie. She was the one who wrote We Should All Be Feminists. That's where I was introduced to her, and I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. And you? I am also reading a novel right now, The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. And if you have not read this book yet or seen it all over the internet and all over the bookstore, you should definitely download it. It's amazing. You can get The Female Persuasion or Americana or a different audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, dropping in edition. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hello, Jenny. That was difficult for you to say, wasn't it? Dropping in. Yes. <laughs> it's a new one. I have to get used to it. So we have a new series that we're bringing to you. And essentially, we are starting to bring you snippets or excerpts from podcasts for which we are guests. And so some of the conversations that we're having out in the world, I think, would be relevant and interesting to some of you who are listeners to our own podcast and this is the first one of this series. And so these are going to be interspersed randomly on either Mondays or Wednesdays on our regular podcasting days. And from time to time, you're going to hear a bit or an excerpt of us on another show. And in this first instance of dropping in, we are guests on the Mend podcast. And that's a podcast that's hosted by friends, Amy Day and Annie Fricky. Now, Sandy, why don't you share a little bit with our audience about what this podcast was about? Sure. So they titled this episode Intellectual Capital, which makes us all smart and cool, I think. And it was really interesting conversation. As you know, to me, they think differently than what I do. It's hard for me to have those conversations because I think so individual and not so much about society and humanity like they do and like you do. Yes. But they asked some really good questions and I enjoyed the conversation so much. So we covered everything from you know, how technology can help women. They talked about social media and kids and how we set boundaries for our own children and social media. I think the conversation is so important too, because I think as 
adults, we are just learning to navigate technology ourselves. And we're figuring out how we best live in conjunction with technology. So that's kind of all the things we talked about. It was kind of fascinating and fun. Yes. And on the MEND podcast this season, the hosts are talking about lessons and principles from permaculture and how there are all these different forms of capital and how we interact culturally with different forms of capital. So it's a little bit different than the Soulful MBA. It's a little bit more theoretical and societal. Like Sandy said, I loved it. I love listening to these kinds of conversations and participating in them. And so you're going to hear something a little bit different in this episode. And you will hear, again, only an excerpt. And so you're going to hear most of the second half of this podcast. And if you want to hear the full episode, you can just click the link in our show notes to be taken over to the MEND podcast to listen to all of it. And so without further ado, here is the conversation. Enjoy. Sandy, you talked about, you know, the feminine space within tech and, you know, is it there until we consciously daily (laughs) create it through the work and the, um, you know, the intellectual capital we put into that space. Um, and I do, I, you know, I let it be said again that I think we as women have been conditioned for so long that, you know, the things that we come up with, our ideas, our contributions, um, we're so used to being undervalued, unpaid labor in so many aspects of um, both our personal lives and in the workforce. And so to step into a space that feels, you know, very, very male dominant in both its thinking and its um, organization and to say, yes, um, we're going to provide value. And some of that will, we will give freely as a way to build up a, you know, an audience and a community around these ideas um, but also we, we will, we will charge and we will get, we will ask for money. We will, we will put a price tag on what we've developed and our ideas and our, our services, because we are claiming um, our ideas and our contributions as having worth and value. It seems kind of, um, there's days where it feels kind of revolutionary to me. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy that it's revolutionary, right? But it is. And I think right now for me personally, I'm in a, in a space where, I am really happy to charge for my time. And I know that Jenny and I, as she's mentioned, we have blogs and podcasts and we have so much free information out there. And if you were so inclined, you could go and learn from all of the information that we've put out there and you could figure it out or you could pay to join our course or consulting with us and you'll get it faster. So it's that time or money. Um, And if you don't have the money, you know, you may have to spend some more time, but you can still get that information. It'll just take you longer to sift through it and kind of figure out what you need. But I am really feeling good about charging for, you know, for our, like what we are actually worth. It feels really good to step into that place. So I wanted to shift gears just a little bit as valuable as this, this conversation is. And we could probably spend an entire hour just talking about women and their worth and providing value and claiming that because it's such a needed conversation. Um, I wanted to look at this idea of kind of safeguarding, like we talked about earlier, this, our, our inherent creativity and our own mental solvency, if you will, um, kind of that, that precious, um, precious inner landscape, if you will. So I know all of us as mothers um, have boundaries established with our children in screen time. Um, I'm sure they vary from family to family, from week to week, but I know as loving parents, we have established those. So, but what kind of boundaries have the two of you 
working in this world, working across multiple platforms, across multiple companies, what kind of boundaries have you instituted for yourselves in order to stay sane and um, solvent in that way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can share something that I've just done recently. So it's really fresh. Um, having been in this industry for three, four years now, I really felt the need to follow and join everyone's list. So I knew exactly what everybody was doing and saying, what the trends were, um, how people were operating in this world. And my inbox was a horrible place to go. It was depressing. It made me jealous. It made me angry. It made me roll my eyes. It was ludicrous. Like, and, and then a podcast, what I listened to. And again, I would feel the need to like keep up and know, and I didn't want to, you know, miss out on something that somebody said. And it really got to me. And I know Jenny has experienced this personally um, in the last couple of weeks as well. And she's made a change and so it just struck me that, you know, that idea of that you're the product of the five friends around you or whatever that saying is, it's the same thing. Um, my mental is the product of what I read in my inbox every day. So somebody was really, you know, in that masculine economy voice or that uh, an aggressive profit driven voice, I unsubscribed and I cleaned up my uh, inbox and my Instagram uh, and my podcasts and are very conscious of what I listen to and what I read is only positive, is only uplifting. There's a few exceptions. I still want to kind of track and watch what people are doing, but I have a much more um, uh, sort of balanced approach when I listen to them that I'm observing them as a um, learning and not to like take it in and, and be what they are. So I really think it's important to watch the information that we consume on our mental mental space. And I'll say for, for me, I have at least one day in the weekend, whether I'm going hiking or going out on an outing with my family, I don't bring my phone um, because I recognize the addictive nature it has over me, the addictive power it has over me. And so the only way I can be sure I'm going to spend time with my family and not look at my phone, the only way is to not have it with me. We have a software company and with it comes great responsibility. And if I see that something's happening with a server, um, it's really, or, you know, anything like that, some, somebody is having a technical problem in some way, I, I have a really hard time um, not focusing all of my energy on that. So I just simply have to leave it at home. And then I also have made a commitment and it's been really luxurious actually um, I, I read for probably three years. I didn't read really any fiction other than on airplanes or something going on vacation. And so I now only read fiction in my room. I have like <laughs> rooms in my house that have only certain devices allowed. Like I have an iPad, um, so it's still technology, but it has no email and no social on it. So if I want to watch a movie, there's an iPad that has nothing other than Netflix on it um, and, you know, like creative bug and like pleasure. Um, and then I also only read fiction before bed. So those are the kinds of things that I've instituted. So I don't read nonfiction. I don't read business books. I don't read like blogs that are not for fun. I don't do any of that stuff in sort of my off hours. So I wanted, that was the perfect segue because then I, you touched on it brilliantly and I know Annie has things to add, but I just want to throw this out there too. I know 
as, and again, this is specifically, is probably just going to be a, a talk of, uh, largely to women who, you know, I, I think of us sometimes as those, you know, those goddess depictions who, you know, need the multiple arms to be doing all the things at all times. And that's kind of the bar that we set for ourselves. Do, do you have a framework? Cause I know for, you know, Annie and I have, we, you know, just even in the creation of this podcast, um, you know, the way our many goddess arms work is, you know, she's the night owl. So I can count on the, you know, the hours while I'm getting some sleep. She's up till the wee hours, you know, creating things, editing things. And then I'm the one who's up at, you know, old people times, you know, drinking my coffee when everyone else is still asleep. And so then I'm, so do you have boundaries in place, especially as women who work for yourselves, who could be connected to your business at all hours, at all days, at all times? Do you have those work hours constructed and do you stick to them? It's so funny, Amy, because we just, the last podcast we released was called, um, it was about the working day nine to five and how we think that it needs to go. Um, I think that for me, the work day and my boundaries are basically around my son's um, schedule. So uh, in the afternoon, you know, about two, not two, maybe three, four o'clock, I stop working to spend uh, after school dinner time and, um, you know, after dinner homework time with him. And then uh, then I go back and work for a couple hours every evening. So it, it's not a hard stop for me. It's very fluid. And I really love that about the way that we work. And Jenny and I were just talking um, yesterday about how we can do that. Like we can just stop and take a break and go for a run or go for a hike or, you know, whatever it is. And it's okay. And the world's not going to end if there's a couple, you know, support questions or something, or how do I link my Instagram to my Namastream site? Like that's not, you know, people can wait for a couple hours because there is this tendency to help, 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 help instantly respond, instantly respond. And I think it's a real um, habit that we need that like a learned behavior that we've had to say they can wait and I'm going to go for a run. So I don't have hard, hard schedules, but I'm very loose and fluid to whatever I need to do that day. Yeah. I mean, we have the same, we have the same situation. So I, I've built my business around my family. So I'm with my daughter in the morning. Um, first thing when we get up, I am on my laptop for about 20 minutes, just making sure everything's okay with our business. Um, and so she's kind of playing and petting her cats and like having some wake up time and, and I'm on my screen. And so there was a part of me that was critical of like, oh my God, my, this like first thing in the morning and I'm on my laptop, but you know, then I turn it off and I'm with her and getting her ready for school for the next like hour, hour and a half, taking her to school. And then I come back and I work until lunch and I have lunch and go on a hike every day with my husband. Um, and then I'm, and then basically I do like one more hour of work after my hike and then I pick up my daughter and I'm with her from after school until she goes to bed. And then I work until my work is done every night. And so, you know, I'm like quite often Sandy and I both work pretty late at night. And so, you know, under one point of view, you would say like, wow, <laughs> you ladies have no boundaries, but our boundaries are our choice, right? We're, we're choosing to base our, our business and our businesses around our families. And that's amazing. And I, I think we both work a little bit on the weekend, depending on what's going on. But really, it's we sort of like, we follow the flow of what our families need. And then we fit our, our business in around that. And it, I think at this stage, it works quite, 
it's quite magical actually because I don't have a business or a job that I feel like I don't want to work at, right? So I'd rather be working at nine o'clock at night than watching TV. Like what else am I going to do at nine o'clock at night? I mean, I read. <laughs> I read for a little while before bed, but I'm happy to, to trade that in order to have time with my daughter and take her to swim lessons and ballet and, you know, cook meals. So yeah, it's been a real learning process to give up the idea that we are supposed to be working from nine to five, that these are the hours. And if you are not, there's, I was uh, plagued with some guilt about maybe not starting until 10 o'clock on some days, depending on whatever's happening. And we had, that's why we did a podcast on this whole sort of workday idea of what that, you know, this social construct that we all have that you should be working right now. And if you're not, you're doing something wrong. And so we just decided to start celebrating the freedom in our days that this running this technology company, it, it gives us this beautiful freedom and we should celebrate it and be grateful for it, enjoy it and not, and just lose the guilt. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. I like that. Lose the guilt and make it work for your family. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. So I have a question bringing kids into it. And it's kind of a big question. Um, or there's, I guess, numerous parts. Um, I have three daughters. I've been pretty anti-screen most of their lives. My 13-year-old, we just got her a phone for the first time because she's old enough now and kind of away from us more. But I told her she's not allowed on social media at all because I've just seen how disastrous that can be, especially at this age. Okay, so the overall question is, how do we teach our kids to use the internet as a tool for learning? Because I think that it could very easily be argued that we're just, you know, if we're even looking stuff up, maybe we're just accessing information. We're not really gaining knowledge necessarily. And that's only, that's even if we're not getting distracted by all of, you know, the crap on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff that, you know, they're getting involved in. So, and then how do we teach them to, to learn well off the internet? And the other part of that is how do we be a good example of that when we are working on our screens and on our computer, but we know we're conscious about what we're doing, but there's all they're seeing is that we're on a screen. So mm -hmm. I don't know that was maybe. Yeah, no, that's, it's a great question. <laughs> I have a 12 year old, so I probably have the oldest child of all of us, but, and it's so fascinating to watch him kind of grow up with um, screens around him and he has an iPhone and um, he was, I let him go on Instagram and he got on a group chat with his um, grade seven class and it was so annoying to him that he is like anti-social media because it was a lot of, to, to make a gender comment, it was a lot of the, the girls in his class that were talking about just dumb stuff to him, dumb stuff. And, and he was so irritated that all the boys left the group chat and he won't even go on Instagram right now because it's so irritating and annoying to him. And there has been no talk of Facebook. He has shown no interest in um, social media at all. And it's, I don't think it's just him. I think it's his, this, this age group just don't, they don't, it's not a thing. 
But what he does do is he does watch a lot of YouTube and his learning, Annie, when you talk about like um, using the internet as, as a learning tool, the stuff he learns on certain channels, like he watches a lot of science channels. Um, I cannot believe what he has learned through YouTube. And he is um, interested in science and it has only grown um, and he follows very specific people. And I need to watch them sometimes. And he watches cooking on YouTube. And uh, we've, we've made um, some ridiculously things, cool things that uh, 12-year-olds not, aren't normally interested in. And it's all because of, of YouTube. So I don't know, like for me, I am really fascinated to watch him kind of naturally navigate it and see where he ends up. But right now it's all about YouTube and science and cooking and nothing to do with social media. Yeah. And, and I have a five-year-old. And so, I mean, we're not doing a ton of screen time, but we do a lot of classes, art classes and crafting classes together. So I live on a remote island in the Pacific Northwest. So these are probably things we would be doing in person if we had access to them, but we don't. And it's, it's sort of part of the beauty of living on an island um, and having the internet is that we have access to so much. So we do a lot of Skillshare classes and Creative Bug. And there's a great YouTube channel that um, my daughter used to love when she was littler called Art Hub for Kids that's just drawing classes. And so um, almost every day we'll do some kind of art class together. And sometimes it's jewelry making or drawing or painting or um, sometimes it's like making bath bombs. And we'll pick a project and we'll get all the stuff together and we'll sit there and do it. And we've been doing that probably since she was three. So to me, that's phenomenal because I don't I'm not qualified to teach her everything and I don't know. And I also want to be learning all the time. And I, am a huge fan of online education, really any education. And so to have access to world-class instructors, you know, teaching something of interest is really, I think a beautiful opportunity that we all have access to. Um, and so, I mean, my daughter is, is little, you know, she watches like a PBS cartoons on her, Kindle and then we do art classes and that's about it. She doesn't really know anything else exists. But if she, if she asks a question, you know, about dinosaurs or about sharks, um, I'll try to find some information and show her. She asked me what the Grand Canyon was this year, right? And so I loved that I could open up my laptop and show her what it looks like and show her pictures of me there on my, you know, like in my photos and then show her like a website that ha that profiles all the wildlife of the Grand Canyon and shows people rafting there. I mean, to me, I think, you know, maybe just having the children alone with the screen is not quite as ideal as being present to their experience, right? And being able to narrate and answer questions and facilitate that learning. Um, but that's a, I mean, that's a really interesting question you're posing because I think there are a lot of cognitive learning challenges associated with just online learning by itself in a vacuum. Uh-huh. Well, one thing that I learned recently, um, this is somebody that we interviewed. Uh, he is a child psychologist and he's um, a Waldorf educator. And, and he talks about how Rudolf Steiner has like the zero to seven years, like their brain is supposed to be doing all of these things and, uh, and you know, the way it's growing and developing. And he said, you know, it's not so much about the content. I mean, it is, but he said, it's more about what they're not doing when they're on the screen. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because they're supposed to be doing all these things. So it, yeah. So it sounds like, and I, and I used to homeschool and I can remember the like national geographic videos of, of the animals. And so I think you make a good point when it's this interactive, you know, it, it can be this positive experience. This, you know, you're, you're getting to learn from people that you wouldn't normally get to learn from and you're, and you're with your child and you're having this interactive experience. And so I think that's a, that's a, an example of a great way to use the internet for learning. So thank you for that. I, yeah, and it, it seems to me that there's just, yeah, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a big topic, especially when it comes to, you know, our, our children, but also I, I think about, you know, the things, especially as women that we will do for our children and the kind of bar- loving barriers we will set for them. Um, and it seems like our task as adults who are, frankly, you know, we're still new to this technology as well, um, is about learning those loving and judicious boundaries for ourselves. So, so yeah, thank you for just sharing Mm -hmm. some of your insights and the tools that you've picked up along the way. Um, I guess I want to, you know, what would you say, you know, Annie and I are about, you know, a year, year and a half into this, our own podcasting work and project. And we were starting to get approached by friends and colleagues who, you know, like, Oh, I want to start a podcast or, you know, Oh, I see what you're doing. And I want to, you know, take, um, you know, my intellectual capital, which they don't say, but that's how my brain translates things nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to create this thing, you know, because, you know, if we talk about the work that you do of taking your ideas and your values you know, your intellectual capital, there's this alchemy, right? That you create, you know, you've created cultural capital, you've created financial capital, you've created something, you know, that exists, that is tangible, that's real. And what do you say to that person that wants to maybe enter this space that has ideas, that has stuff, they've maybe outgrown the, um, the world in which they're operating right now. And they want to take their, their intellectual capital and bring it to a larger space, but maybe they're wary of all the stuff we've talked about. I don't want my mind to be constantly, you know, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of social media. I don't want to feel like my whole life is getting, you know, drained into my phone when I could be outside, you know, gardening or being with my family. Um, What do you say to someone who is wanting to share their gifts in this way, but is wary of this virtual space? Where do they start? I would say that they should start by following, watching people who are doing it well. And it's your choice. Like I would do it. If you are called to do it and build something, then go ahead and build it. And there is a way you can have both. I I know it. And so there are some people I follow that I, that I just I watch them and I realize what I'm saying that I'm following them on a screen, but I'm in awe of their, their balance and their ability to be outside and take walks and not always be there. And so, and if you're not, there's no one to, to watch or emulate, then you be that person. Like I, I think there's an inner drive and you've got to follow it. And it does not mean you need to be on your phone 24 seven. You can have an internet, internet based business and garden and go hiking. You yeah, absolutely I mean, we can. do that. That's yeah. our that's our lives. Like Sandy spent, I don't know, the better part of a month last summer on some kind of remote island. You had to take a boat. Not that I don't live on one of those, but this was even more remote than mine. You know, where you had to like canoe to some island and you're basically <laughs> offline. And you know, we I go hiking every day. 
um, I'm my property butts up against a state park and um, like I go foraging for morel mushrooms, you know, in the middle of the day, like, and I run a tech company, right? And I know that's unusual, but it's a choice. And it's, you know, because of the, because of the choices we've made, like we are, we've not followed the traditional path for someone to follow in our shoes. So we've not, mm-hmm. we've not raised venture capital and we're not living in San Francisco and we're not, you know, on an airplane every Thursday. And like, that's a conscious decision. We've chosen to grow a smaller company in order to preserve our access to the lifestyles that we want to have. And so I think for anyone doing anything online, you have that same freedom and that same choice. Um, I mean, the more you promote yourself or sort of are present on the internet, the more people will find you. But there's, there are ways of being present in the spaces that feel comfortable to you. And there are offline ways of marketing what you're doing online and spreading the word about it, right? Like you can show up and have a booth at Coachella and tell people about your podcast or your online course, like, and have thousands of people know about it that way, right? Like there, there are so many different ways to do this. And I think my advice is just, if you feel called to build something, you should build it. And because I think that voice won't go away. And if you ignore it, I think it, it will breed, you know, frustration and misery in your life. So you should follow what you feel called to do, but also be willing to, you know, um, not listen to all of the standard advice around you if you do choose to follow the voice. We were just talking, um, I keep feel like I keep saying this, we were just talking about this the other day, but we were talking about our Instagram and like what images we should be putting up there. And Jenny keeps talking about foraging for mushrooms on her property. And it's like, oh my God, we need, we need a picture of that. And she, I think she said something like, well, what does that have to do with running a technology company? And we both sort of said at the same time, it has everything to do with running a technology company because that's why she can, she lives where she does and she has the flexibility in her schedule to go forage for mushrooms. These are the images we want to capture and share that this is our life. Yes, we run software company, but this is what we get to do, you know? And so they may seem kind of conflicting or not congruent, but I think that they are. And we want to be that voice of like, hey, look at what you can do. Look at what you can do in your day. It's amazing. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free.